Hey, what is going on, guys? Um, first off, I want to say thank you to everybody who has listened to the last Q&A episode, you know, this solo segment that I started doing. Um, I really appreciate all the love recently. Created a Facebook page, and um, what I had like 80-something likes in the first 24 hours, that was... Uh, very encouraging. I felt uh, like I might actually have something here. So I appreciate all of you guys who um, are joining me on this journey. And uh, just wanted to start it, start this out saying thank you to everybody. Um, let's see. So we're doing another mm-hmm. solo segment. Um, got some more questions from people. Um, and until I can, you know, find more dedicated guests... We're going to do these Q&A things. It might even end up being something where even if I can't get people to submit as many questions as I would like, it might just be topics uh, that have to do with what's going on in the world around us today or various things. Um, So we're just going to go ahead and start off. I asked uh, everybody on social media to throw some questions at me. Uh, inbox me with questions or um well so this one's pretty funny this first one uh somebody sent me a message and they just said white jesus that was it so um i guess they want me to comment on what i think about white jesus um i think white jesus is preposterous (laughs) to say the least um If Jesus was a real man, which, uh, who knows, man, I can't say 100% that he was a real man, um, I, I believe in the archetype of Jesus and, uh, what he stood for, what his teachings were, I, I believe all of that, I accept Jesus in that way, um, as him being a real man, I'm not 100% sure, but if he was, there was the belief that Jesus might have come from uh, Africa, that the uh, geography in the Bible has it all wrong, or the way that uh, geography was created after the Bible, or the stories in the Bible. A lot of people think that uh, all of that actually took place somewhere in Africa, and so that Jesus was a black man. Um, which I'm open for that belief. Uh, I can't say 100% sure. I can't make that absolute study. I haven't done all the research. I don't know everything about that topic, but that's just an idea that's floating around out there. So if that's a possibility, Jesus might have been a black man. Um, But if we take the Bible and we take what we know about geography and uh, landmarks and everything, if we take those all at face value, then we would understand that Jesus was from Israel, Nazareth, and he would have been a Middle Eastern man, not a white European man. And so, I mean, even Christians, you know, their holy book is the Bible, and, you know, they're supposed to read and study this thing religiously, Yet, 
they're under this belief that Jesus was a white man. But if you read the text and you have a knowledge of geography, then you would know that Jesus was a Middle Eastern Jew. Um, and if you understand the culture of the Bible and where Jesus was coming from, it's just so plain and simple. So the white Jesus is such a uh, an abomination, I believe. It's just ridiculous. It's so weird that we have come this far and uh, we still think, you know, we still have that idea. Um, and I mean, it all started, you know, Jesus' disciples spread out you know, going into the Roman Empire, into Europe, spreading the word of Christ. And um, they gained a, a huge following in Europe. And uh, the Roman Empire realized that this, um, the growth within this sect of uh, this religion, um, they noticed the growth and they know that there's power in numbers. And so in order to keep power, the Romans, uh, the Roman Empire did so many things to assimilate their people into, uh, or assimilate Christianity into their way of life, so that, um, you know, creating the Roman Catholic Church and whatnot, um, you know, so many things like uh, the Saturnalia Festival and Christmas and keeping these things close together so that it was an easier transi transition for Romans into Christianity. And I think the Romans just noticed that um, opportunity to gain more power and they assimilated Christianity into their uh, culture, their way of life. With that being said, um, Europeans or Romans were probably more, uh, you know, if they saw the white man, if they saw Christ as a white man, they would probably be more, um, receiving of it. They would probably accept it, um, because it was a white man and it was like them and they wanted to have a white savior. You know, this was a long time ago, of course, and you'd have to, Imagine that even in Europe, 2,000 years ago, there was a type of race, racism and prejudice. You know, um, why do you think the Romans were out conquering other lands? Um, even in the Middle East, there had to be some kind of prejudice between white men and Middle Eastern men. Um, and so, instead of putting a white man, or uh, instead of putting a Middle Eastern man or a black man in all of these photos to represent Christ, uh, they use a white man to make it easier for Romans to believe uh, this new savior and give the empire, you know, the emperors, the power that they wanted. Um, and it worked. And to this day, we can't, we still have not gotten over that uh, white, blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus, which makes no sense at all. It also uh, makes me question the church when it comes to idolatry. Uh, this is a big thing in Christianity and in the Ten Commandments. Uh, idolatry is one of the greatest sins to worship false idols. And if you're if you have one God, and uh, Jesus is the representation 
you know, the manifest of that God, the Son of God, and He is the one you are to worship. Um, you're not supposed to worship any other idols, any false idols. And so, it's so weird how Christianity, how Christians will hang a picture of some guy in their room and just say that he's Jesus and they'll worship that image. Um, you see a lot of this in Catholicism with the statues of Mary. These are idols. This is exactly what the Bible was talking about, yet they completely ignore it and they continue to worship these idols and do their their thing. Um, so with the, with the images of Christ, we have these white Jesuses with blonde hair, blue eyes, or we'll get a white Jesus with like brown hair, um, or even if they try to make, you know, even if there's an image of a black Jesus, so they, they say, or a Middle Eastern man that they want to say this is Jesus, or all of these artistic representations of Jesus are all false. They're all wrong. I guarantee you every single picture out there that an artist has rendered of Jesus looks nothing like him. It does not look like him at all. I guarantee you if Jesus was a real man, those images would not match up. And so these are false idols. These are images of someone who was not the Son of God or was not the man the Bible spoke of, the prophet or the, the enlightened one. So that's what I think about white Jesus. Um, let's move on. I just that was pretty funny. Just that's all I got. You know, I asked people for questions, and all they gave me was white Jesus. And so that's what I think about white Jesus. Um, keep moving. The next question was: Are we truly in charge of our fate, or has it already been written? Um, so this came from a friend. This was a question. This was a really good one, man. This is a really good topic. And it's something that I had... Uh, I've been putting a lot of thought into lately. Um, and it's weird. It's almost like some kind of synchronicity is going on right now. Because I'd been putting a lot of uh, thought into free will. And uh, fate. Or determinism. Or... Uh, the natural order of life, and um, I've been putting a lot of thought into that lately, meditating on it, um, doing thought experiments, and just coming to my own conclusion, and uh, it's weird that he asked this question now, and I and I almost want to like, wonder if it was influenced by uh, Black Mirror, just came out with a interactive movie on Netflix um, called Bandersnatch, I think. And, uh, and the movie was kind of about that, decisions, and uh, do we actually have free will? Are we actually choosing things that we do in our life, or are we just kind of uh, part of a social program? And um, well, honestly, man, what I think, I, I'm not too sure that we have free will. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, it's, the thing is, we have the illusion that we're actually making our choices, that I'm actually, uh, you know, like I say, I get into a fight, somebody throws a punch at me, and I decide to lift my arm to block it, 
did I actually make that choice or was it influenced by something else? I think that it was influenced by my prior knowledge of the fact that when a fist hits my face, it's going to hurt. And so by reflex and by instinct, I naturally raise my arm to block that punch. And I'm, I'm influenced. I have the illusion that I made the choice to do it, but it was influenced by prior happenings, by things that have happened before. And so I kind of just follow a natural order. And that's kind of where I stand on the subject. Um, I'm not sure I believe in free will. I'm not sure I believe in fate, and uh, I don't think I believe in predetermined destiny. I don't think any of this is really predetermined. I don't think that we're making our own choices, that we actually have free will, or that there is a fate for us all. In the end, I think that uh, I think there might be a, a final fate in the end, that we all come back to a singularity. Um, but I think that we follow a pattern of natural order, of cycles, cycles of life and uh, ways of life. I think that all we're doing is we're going through the motions of uh, creation. I think that we're a part of creation and the flow of creativity, the flow of life, and um, we're just following along in that order. You look at... Uh, the way bees operate, you know, you wouldn't think that a bee is uh, conscious and making the choices that it makes because all a bee does is work. It uh, flies to a flower, it pollinates and returns to the hive. And it's, it's you know, you, you get that uh, hive mind, the definition of a hive mind. And it's, it's kind of just a cycle that these bees are on while they work. It's just, it's unconscious. They're just kind of doing it. As far as we know, it's un unconscious. But they just seem to be following a natural order. And I believe that uh, in the grand scheme of, of it all, we're doing the same thing. Um, I think that we're just organisms in a, uh, there's a bigger picture. We're following a natural order to make things go the way that they go. They're supposed to go in a natural order. Um, the way I've always looked at uh, humans and on a grander scale, a city, on a grander scale, the world, it's almost like we are the blood cells of our living world, what makes up the organism of our living world, and we're one of the tiniest organisms. Uh, it's almost like you look at a uh, bird's eye view of a uh, city and the highways. We are like the cells inside of these cars, uh, <clears throat> or even like we're the mitochondria inside of a car that's like the cell that's flowing through these canals or these, you look at the, the highways almost as if like they're a, a map of veins leading to cities we get into the cities and these cities are organs that produce uh, the things that we need to con that the society as a whole needs to consume to operate and uh, so I, you can almost look at the uh, 
as the at the world as a a living organism and we are the the lifeblood within that living organism and so we we do these things we make these commutes to work every day and uh, we, we feel like we're making that choice but it's just a part of the natural order it's supposed it's gonna happen it's natural order it's not that this was predetermined or that um i just think that this is how it's supposed to go and uh maybe it could have gone another way or maybe it couldn't have but either way we're living out a life that um contributes to natural order and natural order is always going to exist it's just the flow of creativity of things living and dying um so that's kind of where i stand on uh, free will and fate determinism i hope uh, that answers the question because uh free will is just a man-made philosophy honestly and all of our actions are just responses to prior actions it's natural order cause and effect that's all it is doesn't mean that we should uh doesn't we should, we're not controlled and it doesn't mean that we can't live life uh, a fulfilled life or enjoy anything that's going on in our lives we can still absolutely enjoy this life just take it for what it is and uh, just go about your day enjoy what we have this moment uh, to be alive to breathe in, no matter what the illusions are we have this experience it's we're the universe experiencing itself. It's amazing. It's beautiful. So uh, don't let the fact that we don't have free will ruin your day. We're all good. <clears throat> and so uh, another buddy of mine, he asked, do you feel in the near future we will have any kind of racial equality? Great question. Beautiful question. And it's definitely um, relative today in the culture what's going on here in america so do i ever f do i feel like we'll have racial equality in the near future i surely hope so i would i surely hope so i would love it and i i think overall that is the hope of the people here is that we'll have mm -hmm. equality across the board um especially racial equality um, since it is something that has been so damaging to our culture, to our future, it has slowed us down so much. I mean, you try to think about how far we could, how far along we could be if racial inequality was never a thing. If we could understand that we are, we might be different colors, we have different beliefs, but at the core we are the same species you know there's that the saying that you know although we're a different color on the outside on the inside we're all the same we have the same uh lungs we have the same heart our, our hearts are the same color our lungs are the same colors our blood is the same color we're one um, and that's so obvious. That is such common sense. It's so easy to see. There should be no other explanation or any try to justify anything. 
we are the same species. We're here. And so I think, I hope that that's something that we're getting closer and closer to realizing. I think it is. I think um, in the grand scheme of it all, we haven't come that far since segregation ended. Um, you know, segregation was not that long ago. Hadn't, hasn't even been a hundred years since segregation ended. And uh, you look at the timeline of history and uh, how long it took us to get here. You know, hundreds of thousands of years. You look at the evolution of man. You look at um, so far back there were tribes, different tribes, and even different tribes warred against each other because they were different. And uh, eventually it got to the point where we were discovering um, people from far off lands who looked completely different with different colors. And uh, we stayed separated for so long. We separated, we were always separated in tribes and communities and then into, uh, you know, bigger, even empires uh, 2,000 years ago, like we were talking about in uh, the Roman era. Uh, even then, we were so far apart from each other. We were so separated. Population was growing, but we were still separated um, from each other by landmass, by water. Um, so anything that was different was hard to comprehend. And, uh, of course, we're naturally afraid of what's different. And um, up until the invention of the internet that has brought the whole world together um now we are all connected and we can uh we can see someone who's different you know someone who has a social media platform somewhere in africa who is a different color than i am um, i can see his face and i can communicate with him um, and this is something so new the way that the world has come together in this way you know, it started coming together when uh, there was newspapers and news could get out to uh, these growing cities across the world. But now it's just so in our face. I think now that we're growing in this way, I think it's going to make these stupid ideals um, less attractive to people. And it's starting, we're just going to pick up on that common sense and the understanding that we are all one like we're all in this together we're all the same species I think I just see that becoming more attractive as we grow and you have all of the uh the civil rights activists and the uh you know even though the term social justice warrior is looked down upon which for some pretty good reasons it is looked down upon a lot of these people acting out in ridiculous ways but it, it sucks because being a social a warrior for social justice shouldn't be a bad thing because social justice should be a thing. We need social justice. We need civil rights activists. We need people fighting for the people, for the rights of the people, for understanding. But we need to do it in a more logical way, not an emotional way. Um, so I do feel in the near future that we will get rid of racial inequality. Um, 
it is my hope and um i think things are looking good i think things are looking up it's so easy to think that um things are going bad because you know we've for the longest time we've followed the news and the news is only uh it feeds on our fear they know that their ratings are going to go up if they feed us things that we're afraid of for some reason we are attracted to tragedy and to bad news it, it's it gives us interest and it, uh we feed on it and so they know that that's why all we get is bad news all day when you watch the news all it is is bad news you know little johnny died or you know um girl was raped and killed in front of her mother like all kinds of just crazy fucked up shit and uh, that's how they get their ratings and that's how they get paid that's their job but uh i even see that trend dying and it's good there's a new future on the way we you can look and you can see that trend dying you can see uh race i see racism dying i think people are always gonna um have differences i mean there might always be someone who you know doesn't like someone because of the color of their skin there's always going to be dumb people there's always going to be a balance uh of good and bad there's a belief that um sometimes things will be 51 percent good in the world and 49 percent bad and then it rocks back and forth to 51 percent bad 49 percent good and we're in this teeter-totter between the two um i don't know that's just some kind of a theory that i heard and it's fun to think about but i think overall people are good and that we want good and we just want to live peaceful happy lives and um i think if we keep fighting for that then we can see that in the near near future i'm not sure there will ever be a utopian society because there's there is the dual illusion of good and bad and just seems to be a part of nature that things you can't there can't be good without bad there can't be bad without good there can't be chaos without order there can't be order without chaos there can't be death without life without birth um but i think overall there it's looking hopeful i think we're getting to a much better place and uh, i just think the sooner we get to that place of understanding and uh realizing that we're one i think the sooner we can see a more prosperous future and uh that's where i stand man that was a great question it's a great topic and i hope everybody's on the same page there because we really need to get out of that mindset um and start to grow um he also asked is religion necessary to understand self-control um no I don't think so. Um, I think that humans, I think we naturally have a moral code. I think we, I think we naturally understand what's good and bad. Um, you know, or the illusion of good and bad. I talked about this on the last podcast. Um, we talked about the illusion of good and bad. I, I follow the um, Hindu philosophy of Advaita Vedanta, 
which means uh, non-dualistic. It means oneness. It means that everything is one. Um, we have the illusion of good and bad, but at the end of the day, they're all a part of the same thing. There's only one oneness. Good and bad are just an illusion. It's all a part of the natural order, the flow of life, the flow of creativity. Um, but I think we have a moral compass under our illusions of good and bad. And um, I think humans are inherently good. You look at how, you know, the billions of people who go about their days without killing another person compared to, you know, the 500 people who might be killed in America today, might be murdered in America today, um, compared to the billions of people on the planet who aren't killing anybody, that's a pretty small number. So inherently, I think humans are good. Um... And I don't think we need religion to justify or to uh, give us an idea of good and bad and have self-control. I think religion can be helpful. I, I definitely, I'm not opposed to religion. I think that if religion is doing you good and it's helping you live a better life, um, and it's giving you better morals and it's helping you be a better person, you're thriving in your life if that's what your religion is doing for you and if you're not hurting anybody else with your religion then i'm all for it that's great that's beautiful um but i don't think it's necessary to understand self-control i think self-control can be taught through philosophy um and i just think it's natural i think discipline is important i think life experience is important there's many things that can teach us self-control, like uh, martial arts, the discipline you receive in martial arts. You talk to a lot of martial artists, and even though they have the ability to kick ass, doesn't mean that they're going to be out here just kicking everybody's ass. Or even when somebody confronts them and are angry, and it looks like things are about to pop off and there's going to be a fight, most martial artists don't want to be in that situation and they don't want to have to hurt anybody um that's self-control that's discipline um but maybe martial arts becomes a religion to some people maybe uh the study of philosophy becomes a religion to people i guess uh, it all depends on what you define as religion at the end of the day i think that we naturally have a moral code as humans i think naturally we know the illusion of good and bad um let's see what else we got here he also asked same guy he had three questions and uh they're all good questions so i decided to throw them in he said uh if we were to stop christmas and all other holidays that do not pertain to one's true culture would there be a way to live a happy life absolutely man Absolutely. I don't think we need any of these holidays at all. I mean, I think it's nice to celebrate things like the cycle of life, the changing of seasons, because the seasons all represent new things, you know, represent different things. Like uh, when the spring 
equinox comes around and we're, we're coming into spring and everything starts regrowing and uh, these these all can be archetypes and uh, metaphors for things that we go through in our own lives and I think uh, I think it's good to celebrate life in that way but as for these man-made holidays such as Christmas Easter um, you know things like you said that don't pertain to one's true culture like these are things that were made up mostly I believe for uh, consumerism for consumerism purposes you know for money it's a money grab and maybe they weren't created with that intention but it's certainly what it's become today um, and I just don't like any of that man um, I like to be with family and I like to see happy family members and have celebration and whatnot um, but we don't need these preposterous holidays to do that we don't even need consumerism to do that uh, to celebrate life with our families it's not about oh here I bought you a $500 purse I hope you're happy it's not about that I think we should we need to learn how to celebrate life every day with each other get together no matter what day it is you know could be next week let's get together next week and celebrate life and just be happy that we have each other we don't need designated days out of the year to do that so yeah if we were to stop christmas and all other you know man-made holidays like valentine's day and all these things if we stopped all that we could still definitely live happy lives and i think i, I would rather do that i would hope that society comes together and decides to do that one day to just cut these things out and let's love and celebrate life anytime we feel like it which should be every day um Let's see, I got a long one here. They said, I've been rereading one of my favorite books by Dr. Michael Newton. It's called Journey of Souls. Basically, this doctor put a bunch of people in a hypnotic state and asked them to relive possible past lives. Many people recalled being of different gender in a previous life. Since this has a since this is a hot discussion in the world, do you think it is possible that those who are transgender feel they were born of the wrong sex because they lived as the opposite gender in previous lives, so their soul has a deeper connection to said gender? Wow. Oh, man. Great. Great topic. Um, I love that this time around we got um, some questions that really deal with the social climate here in America at the moment. Um, I love that. It's a lot of the time these type of questions are unattractive just because they're banging us over the head all day every day and we're getting so many different opinions and people like to stick in their own bubbles with their own uh, type of people you know and a lot of people don't like to think outside of the box they don't like to listen to other people's opinions and try to consider maybe a different point of view um, and that's sad uh, we see a lot of arguments going around uh, just bickering and never coming to any real conclusion or any kind of compromise or understanding um, a lot of this is based on the fact that we we have become such emotional creatures, such an emotional society, 
and I think that's bad. I don't think emotions are bad. It's not bad to be emotional, but it seems like in the climate of our culture at the moment, emotions are overrunning logic. I think there needs to be a good balance between logic and emotion, and I think we need to increase the logic in our society at the moment. You know, kind of simmer down on the emotions. Let's not be emotional about everything. Let's try to be a little logical and try to have uh, conversations with each other. Not to win. The point of an argument isn't to win. That's what we got to understand. It's all these people are trying to do. It's all they're doing is bickering and they want to win the argument and be right. It's not about being right. It's about learning. It's about teaching. It's, it's about sharing ideas with each other and considering other points of views and coming to an opinion. We might not agree, but the fact, the thing is that we're learning different viewpoints and we're considering them. And that helps our own opinion form into a stronger belief. And I think for the better, it's just we need to get out of that emotional state. We need to become more logical. Um, so with this topic... Um, First of all, I'm not too sure about the validity of hypnotism. I, uh, I've done a podcast with a licensed hypnotist, and it's all very interesting. I just think that the mind can be manipulated very easily. I think we're uh, subject to manipulation, our minds... Uh, if somebody's good enough at doing it, it can be done pretty easily. Um, and I might just be wrong, uh, but I think our minds can be manipulated. And, uh, you know, maybe that's what it, hypnosis is. Putting you in a state where you, your mind can be manipulated much easier. And so if you're in a state of hypnotism where your mind can be manipulated and somebody asks you about previous lives and you say you're a male, and your mind, you might just, we're so creative, we're so imaginative, the mind is so powerful, it can be manipulated, and that's bad, I mean, it can be bad because our mind is so powerful, and so imaginative, imaginative and creative, so it's very easy, I would think, in a deep state of mind, to create an elaborate story that you feel is real. I mean, think about what the mind does when we're asleep. Um, the, the dreams that we have, the stories that we create in our dreams while we're unconscious in a powerful state of mind, these things that feel so real and we wake up just to realize that, oh, that was a dream, that was a different reality, you know? Um, and so I think in the state of hypnosis, in a deep mind state and you're asked about what's a past, a past life and your mind is like okay let's create a past life we have to answer this question let's create something elaborate I can tell a story right now off the top of my head I can create a vivid story about a, a soldier coming home from war or a soldier who doesn't come home from war and the grief that his wife feels as she holds her baby and receives that folded flag we can create these stories and um so easily we're creative we're imaginative and i think we can definitely do that much better in a deep 
mind state of uh, hypnotism. So whether or not those, you know, people recounting past lives, I put past lives in quotations because I'm not sure of the validity of it. Um, <laughs> besides that, I want to get to the point of uh, gender and uh, so the reality is that in my belief system as I had talked about Advaita Vedanta it's a Hindu philosophy that means non-dual and uh, I think gender is an illusion male and female is an illusion at the end of the day we're one you know maybe physically I have the components of a man and you physically have the components of what we call a female at the end of the day we're nothing but the creation of the the flow we're all a part of creation we're a part of that source of creation whatever it may it's just a source that always has been it's not some man floating in the sky it's just the flow of creation and we're a part of that one flow that one constant flow that has always been um so we're one we have the illusion of gender um and the illusion of masculine and feminine feminine energy it doesn't mean that these two don't exist they obviously are present. There is separation. There's illusion of separation. Um, at the end of the day, it's all part of one. That's, I want to try and get people to understand that. I know it's a hard concept to grasp because of the illusion of different things, which is understandable. We do... I, I have male components. You have female components. But um, let's talk about energy there is masculine and feminine energy in the universe in all things all things have feminine masculine energy all of matter has feminine or masculine energy um it's it's the same balance of uh nature that we see in the concept of good and bad and uh, the concept of birth and death, the concept of chaos and order, the dual aspect of our existence. Um, so with there being masculine and feminine energy in the world, I don't think it matters what kind of physical body that we are born into. I think that um, masculine and feminine energy is uh, apart from physicality. I think that it's a of a greater dimension. I don't know. Um, I think it's larger than our physicality. What we have here as physical beings, it goes beyond that. Um, I can say for myself that I'm a man full of testosterone it just so happens that that is what my what happened you know how my body was created in the creative process when my body was 
uh, baking in my mother's oven. <laughs> that's how I came out. It's just so happened that that's what produced me. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't have feminine energy. I can be emotional. I can be sympathetic, empathetic. I can... I can cry. I can easily cry. I'm okay with that. I'm in touch with that part of myself. And does that make me any less of a man? Or no, it doesn't. Um, I don't feel like I, I'm not 100% feminine. You see, you know, you can look at the spectrum and you can see a man and, you know, you can line up 10 different men and you can see, you know, who's more fem feminine who's more masculine. These are just energies that are within us. It, I think uh, our physical body has nothing to do with it. Um, but if a, if a man, if there's a physical man uh, and, a, and he feels, you know, 100% feminine, he feels like he should have been born a woman. Um, I think that's okay. I think that's understandable. If you want to identify as feminine, that is 100%. That's perfectly fine. Identify as feminine. That's fine. Like, I might identify 75% um, masculine, 25% feminine. Um, I might even have more femininity inside of me. But, um, I don't... You can be 100% masculine. You can be 100% feminine. Um, those are all energies. These are ways that we feel. So if you are born into a masculine body, but mentally, spiritually, consciously, you have more feminine energy, I think that that's okay, we should accept it, you should accept yourself. I think that when it comes to transgender, when it comes to sex changes, um, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that people can't accept their, themselves for how they are, or they can't accept life for what it is. Um, and I look at it as a way... Um, I don't even like, I don't agree when women wear makeup. I think it's preposterous. I think, um, why can't we just accept ourselves for what we are, for who we are, for what natural order has created us to be? So I don't like when girls paint their face on, you know? You have a natural face. You have a beautiful face. We're all beautiful. We're all part of creation. Um, why do you have to paint your face? I don't get it. Um, is painting your face with makeup, does this, is this subconsciously because you're insecure with the way your face looks? You want people to think that you look better than you actually do? You want to improve on some things on your face? And well, why can't we just accept ourselves? Um, it might be a psychological thing where people are, it might be a thing of vanity, it might be a thing of 
insecurity and not being able to accept oneself and love oneself for the way they are naturally. And so when it comes to sex changes, say a man feels like he should have been born a woman and he feels feminine. That's okay. You can feel feminine, but when it comes to mutilating and changing your body into a way that it's never going to be fully, you're never going to fully become, have a woman's body. There's just real physical differences in the way that a man's body is formed and a woman's body is formed, like even down to bone density. Men's bones are more dense than women's. Um, the structure of our bodies and just you're never gonna if you're born with a masculine body you're never gonna 100% have a feminine body I think it's important that if I I feel like where I've come at in my spiritual life and my center of my the core of my spirit um, and the philosophy of life that I have developed I feel like if I, I'm in a masculine body and I felt 100% feminine energy, I would just accept that I was born with a masculine body and that's okay. I don't need to change my physical appearance to make me feel any more feminine, to know that at the core of my spirit, I'm feminine. You know, I'm speaking. Um, this isn't really how I feel. I'm just uh, saying if I was in that situation. I think that we should be able to accept ourselves the way we are and the way we were born. If you're born with a masculine body but you're born feminine, accept it. Be happy about it. Rejoice in that. Celebrate it. Love it. Love yourself. Accept yourself. And continue growing. Um, you don't need to do anything drastic. Um... So, I might have strayed from the original question, just to kind of get that stuff off my chest. Um, you said, do you think it's possible that those who are transgender feel they were born of the wrong sex because they lived as the opposite gender in previous lives? Um, I don't know, no. Um, not sure I 100% believe in uh, previous lives or... I think reincarnation is something that has man has taken and uh, give different meaning to what it originally was. I think that the spirit of consciousness, I th think that consciousness exists, has always existed, and I think that we are all tied into that one consciousness, that um, there's seven billion people on the planet with the illusion that we have seven billion different consciousness. No, we don't. This consciousness has always existed. We have 7 billion different receptors. The brain being a receptor of consciousness, not a producer of consciousness. So, our brains only receive the signal of consciousness. And then when our bodies die, that signal returns to the source. Um, and I kind of went over this in the last podcast. It's like a TV signal. When your TV breaks, when your TV dies, and you can't get a signal anymore, that doesn't mean that the signal isn't there for another bot. For you might put another TV back, and it's going to receive the signal that's always out there. Um, 
So, when it comes to reincarnation and rebirth and consciousness, I think when our physical body dies, our consciousness remains with the source until the signal is picked up in something else. I don't think it necessarily has to be um, a human body. It could be of another species. That signal could be used to uh, give birth to a new star. The consciousness could be used. Consciousness is nothing but the flow of creativity and um, the actions that produce create, you know, creative things and the molecules that are used to create. And uh, the consciousness I have now when I die might be used to uh, create a new star, give birth to a new star that will die and produce more elements for more life. It's a continuous flow of creation. So maybe my consciousness was a part of uh, somebody in some, you know, 100,000 years ago. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, and maybe that person was a woman. I can see that. That could be possible. Um, at the end of the day, there's feminine and masculine energy. Whether it was attached to an actual human being sometime in the past, who's to say? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. But the energy that we receive when we are born, the energy that we are born with, and that can even develop as we grow um, masculine and feminine energy, it might fl fluctuate. You know, one day I, I can be more masculine than I am feminine. And that's kind of like the gender fluidity that people talk about. It's, yeah, that's, that's understandable. I might feel more emotional, more feminine one day than I feel masculine and controlling and the other. Um, that's understandable, but I don't... I don't know about that energy jumping from life to life. I just don't know. I think we're born um, with with masculine and female energy. And uh, we have to do what we have to do with what we're given. And uh, accept it and love it and love ourselves. Um, I hope that kind of answers your question. Or not really answers your question, but you have my opinion on it now, at least. Um, so we're going to move on. Um, my friend here says, if there existed a perfect clone of you, would it also be you? Would it act in exactly the same manner as you, like a mirror, or would it act differently? If it acted differently, then would it still be you? At what point would it not be you? Wow. Wow. God, these questions, these are such great questions from amazing people. You guys are amazing. And these questions are just, they're great. These thought experiments are great. I think everybody needs to contemplate on these things. Um, in this case, uh, if there was a clone of me, would it be me? Would it be an exact replica of me, a mirror? Would it do the same things that I do? Um... If something cloned me where I am right now, I think that there would be a very good 
I think it would start off as me, you know, an exact replica of me, but I think that once it has its own form, that it has its own consciousness. Because even, even if we clone something, cloning something still puts it into a place of, uh, it's still, it still, it, it becomes a part of the cycle of life, of the cycle of creation, um, that creative flow in the the universe. So this new clone is another creation made up of particles, made up of uh, atoms. And I think all of these things that make up this new body, you know, all of the atoms, they're all part of the conscious flow of creation as well. This new being, this clone of me might look exactly like me. It might have... Um, you know, it might be birthed with the same mindset that I have now, because to be an exact clone of me, it would have to have an awareness of uh, my philosophy and where I, you know, where I stand in my life right now. It might be produced in that exact state that I'm in at now, but as soon as it gains its own life, that it's taking on its own um, consciousness, and I think from then on it's going to choose its own path. I don't think it would uh I don't think it would choose the exact path that I would choose. I think that it has its own consciousness and its own path. Uh and it's going to choose its own way. Um that that's really interesting to think of. Um and I'm trying to think of you know how would how would it possibly do all the same things that I do, make all the same actions that I make. I don't know. Um, I would love to talk about that with you or anybody else who has any ideas on that. Um, it's very interesting. Maybe I'm missing something here. But for the most part, I feel like um, it would be birthed with its own consciousness. And from that point on, it would branch off and do its own thing. Uh, let me see. And, and a lot of its actions might kind of be influenced in the same direction that I live my life. I don't think it'll be exact, but a lot of them might align closely to the things that I want to do and I decide to do in my life. Just because if it's birthed of, you know, where I'm at in my life right now, and it has those, uh, if its brain is kind of uh, a, a clone of mine, my ideas and uh, my memories and the way that they influence me, it might go on a path that is close to mine, but at the end of the day, um, I don't think it's going to be 100%. Um, let's see. He also said, my favorite existential question of all time is, where are you? And that's beautiful. That's so simple. Simply put, simple question, three words, where are you? And the way I answer that question is, I am here now. Simply put, simple question, simple answer. Where are you? I'm here now. Just like Ram Das says, you know. And for anybody who hasn't read Ram Das, his book, Be Here Now, I suggest everybody read it. It's a modern spiritual classic, um, beautiful, beautiful belief 
um, that we should be present in our life at all times. We shouldn't live in the past. We shouldn't dwell on the future. We should be present in our life and we should love our life here in this moment. Be present. Be here right now. Be here. Be present. Whatever is in the past, we can't change. Um, whatever is in the future, we don't know what's in the future, so why dwell on it? Just make this moment count. This moment right now. That's all we have. That's all we ever have. The past is gone. The future hasn't come yet, so it's not a part of our reality. Our reality is here right now. So be here now. That's where I am. I'm right here. Um, so when I first read that question, where are you? That's my first response. Um, you can look at it a different way. Like, where are you? Well, I'm in Waxahachie, Texas right now on planet Earth in the Milky Way galaxy of a strange dimension created by a universal consciousness, a flow of creative energy that always has been and always will be. Um, I'm here. I'm right here, you know. Um, just part of a strange dimension. It's part of a, part of a strange reality that can't be fully comprehended. Um, there's so much beyond our perception, so much more that we don't know, that we can't see, that we can't understand, we can't hear. Um, I think the saying is something like we're one millionth or one trillionth, you know, the life that we, we see that we're living now, our reality is only one trillionth of a reality that we're barely scratching the surface with our limited senses. We have five very limited senses, and um, it's hard to see. We can't see beyond it. At times, we think, I think we can reach higher states of consciousness where we can perceive other dimensions, and we can start to see past our own small reality and experience reality as a whole in very enlightened higher states of consciousness. And we could probably get into that some other time, some other questions um, on what I believe higher consciousness is and what I believe about other dimensions or um, reality itself. Um, we can get into that some other time, but we've come up on an hour, and uh, those were all the questions that I got. Glad we get through it in an hour. These things seem to work out pretty well, um, pretty naturally. Um, so thank you all, guys. Thank you so much for listening again to another podcast. I'm, uh, I'm aiming for putting a new one out every single Tuesday. When I do one a week, I hope you guys continue to return. I hope you guys start to get more engaged and um, comment what you think, what you feel, what you believe about the things we're talking about. Let's open a discussion. I want to get involved. I want to have this discussion with you. So on whatever platform you are listening, please like this, comment, comment what you think, 
share it, subscribe, come back next time, and uh, let's just start growing together. That's what this is all about. Thank you so much for coming by, and we'll see you next time. Much love.